The following is a Network Newswire audio production. As a multifaceted financial news and publishing company, Network Newswire uses its network of more than 5,000 key distribution outlets, as well as other corporate communication tools, to introduce private and public companies to a wide audience of investors, consumers, journalists, and the general public. Our reputation for highly efficient communication strategies is based on the experience and relationships our team has in the space. It is Network Newswire's unwavering commitment to connect the investment community with companies that have great potential and a strong dedication to building shareholder value. The following interview features a client of Network Newswire. Network Newswire may have been compensated for the production of this interview. Please be sure to read our entire disclaimer for full disclosure. Thank you, and here today as your host is Stuart Smith. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us here once again for another online business briefing, where as you heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith, and we're joined today by Wherever TV Broadcasting Corp, traded on the OTCQB, under the ticker symbol TVTV. I want you to follow along at their website, Wherever TV. We're speaking with the CEO and the chairman of the board for the company, Edward Ciafani. Edward, how are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to call in, speak to your company's investors, as well as the listeners for this program. And for the listeners who may not be familiar with what you're doing at Wherever TV Broadcasting Corporation, let's talk a little bit about the business model and market for the company first. Sure, absolutely. Well, a lot of the investors are going to probably be like I was when I was first asked to take over the company in May of 2015. And the first thing that usually comes to mind or the first question is what exactly is OTT or over-the-top television? And over-the-top television is probably the newest, most cost-efficient, most economical way of transmitting content from the content provider to the end user. And what basically is happening is we're taking a signal that spends very little time on the Internet, and mostly it is transmitted through the airwaves. And the best analogy I can use to kind of help get people to understand the value of it it was, it's like driving from Florida to New York or getting in a plane uh, and going from Florida to New York. Obviously, you know, driving, you'll get there, but, you know, you're, you're subjected to traffic and, and all kinds of other things. And, uh, and, and mainly on a plane, you're going to get in a plane, get in the air and land. And that's pretty much the difference between IPTV and OTT. It's much more cost-effective, efficient, quicker. And so one of the things I did also once I realized what OTT was, I started to do a little bit of research to try to establish why it seemed to me in May of 2015 that almost every major broadcast company, Comcast, DirecTV, you name them, Sling, Dish, all those guys were moving to the OTT industry. As I found a report that was done by Nielsen Rating Service, and in early 2014, that report identified that the average consumer spent 5.7 hours watching TV. They didn't factor in smart devices at that point. They hadn't really taken into consideration the OTT industry. By the end of 2014, first quarter 2015, they created another report, and that report did in fact include smart devices. And when you review that report, it shows that the average consumer watching TV at home went from 5.7 hours to 2.4 hours. But when they factored in smart devices, it went to 13 hours. So it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that most broadcast companies, their main line of revenue is advertising sales, but they had to get to where the eyeballs were. So 
so that was a really big indicator to me that, that I was probably getting myself involved in an industry that was going to be growing rapidly. I mean, extremely rapidly. And there's many, many reports out there that shows that the OTT industry could exceed $20 billion over the next five to ten years. And that the terrestrial broadcasters, you know, the cable and the satellite, are going to be losing those subscribers to the definition they're going by as the cord cutters of America. And those are people that are no longer going to pay the big dollar amounts for, for a bunch of channels that they don't watch. So when I started looking further into obviously the next question and the thought that I get is, you know, what made me think that wherever TV could compete with these guys and their big marketing budgets and their already in place subscriber base? And that was a really good question, and I, and I asked it of myself. And one of the things that I found out is that wherever TV, when it's platform, is one of the very few companies in the OTT industry, content that you receive, that you watch, whether it be on Comcast or any of the major entities, they have digital right management contracts in place that, that gives them the parameters of where they can broadcast that content. And not that I'm a Kardashian fan by any stretch of the imagination, but to give you an example, Comcast probably only has the right to distribute the Kardashian show in the United States. Somebody in Latin America, Canada, or any other foreign country, some other broadcaster has those rights. So Comcast would not be allowed to do that, nor are they even in those markets. We, on the other hand, are able to go out and get content that if given worldwide rights, our subscriber base could be in Japan one day watching our platform, uh, or the United States, and and that's what we're one of the few that have that opportunity. So the third thing that I was trying to look at when they ask about wherever TV that I get asked a lot is what's the value, what's the risk with wherever TV, and what's the one thing that makes wherever TV the most attractive. And one of the things I found out that is that wherever TV has a patent, we refer to it as the 431 patent from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. It was filed for in 2006. And it was granted in 2014. And without going into a lot of descriptive of it, it basically covers the OTT industry. And what I did before I took over the company is I went out and I had five different patent infringement law firms review the patent on my behalf so that I could figure out the value of it um, and, and figure out whether or not they felt it was defendable. And every one of them came back with some variant of that it was defendable. The firm that we've made press releases on out of Dallas, Texas, Reese Gordon and Marcados, came back with an 82-page report identifying all the details of the patent and why they feel it's extremely defendable. The thing about Reese Gordon and Marcados that made this, this opinion so valuable to me is the fact that over the course of the last four years, they haven't lost a patent infringement case that they defended yet. Um, they were voted the number one patent infringement firm for three years running, uh, maybe even four by now, in that market sector. And so we retained them, and we just recently released a press release identifying that we have retained them to go out and start to put, the, put in motion the defense of that patent. So, Ed, tell me about the team you have, have assembled around you. Clearly, as the chairman and CEO of the company, you just gave us an in-depth and wonderful overview of your company. Obviously, you're entrenched in it, and the due diligence you did to see if those patents were protectable obviously gave you incredible insight into this industry. So let's learn about the other team around you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I took over the company in May of 2015, the company was not in really good shape. I give credit to Mark Kavicki, the founder of the company, for having the wherewithal to create the patent and kind of move the company in, in a direction that he felt at the time or the state of the, industry, 
state that the industry was in at the time. But when I took over in May of 2015, the company was lacking a, a full active board. Uh, they didn't have a CFO. They didn't have a controller. They lacked a lot of the internal control corporate governances that, you know, most companies have to have in place, especially publicly traded ones. So when I took over the company, one of the first things I did is I, I seated six, a six-person board. Now, the interesting thing about the board is that only out of the six people, only one person on the board, who also happens to be the CFO, is Renee Morissette. He has been my personal and corporate attorney for the better part of 30 years. And I trust him. I have all the respect in the world in him. And I brought him on board because I knew that he would help me dig through the financials and make sure that as we started to get them, you know, get them in place, because the other thing that was lacking was they hadn't filed an audited financial statement uh, since the reverse merger in 2012. So we had a little bit of work cut out for us. So we set the board of the board of directors. Every one of them have been extremely successful in their own right and their own business forte. The interesting thing is, though, is that outside of Renee Morissette, not, not one of the other board members have I ever had a personal relationship with. I brought them on through acquaintances of other people that I knew, that I, and they were, because of their success in their own industries, I wasn't looking for a board that would just say yes. I was looking for a board that, based on their success rate in their own life, I could go to them, and we could help plan out a, a direction for this company that, if all things are considered done right, this company would have a better chance for success. The other person that I hired that has been immensely helpful is Michael Dutcher, my VP of Content Acquisition. It's a funny title because he actually is wearing a lot more hats than that with me. His experience is 20 years deep. He was the original owner of MeTV, one of the first IPTV OTT platforms, uh, almost eight years ago, nine years ago. He has extensive knowledge in content acquisition. He has extensive knowledge in sales and, and marketing and advertising. He has a very strong computer background, uh, understands the linear streaming process, which in the OTT sector, a lot of people think they understand the OTT technology, but as I've found over the last three years, uh, that, that, that knowledge base is very thin. It's been a very difficult road to actually find people that understand that. The other person on my management team is Jack Feldman. He is, in fact, also a board member um, and a you know, director of, uh, and managing director of Latin America. We expanded into Latin America, and the reason we did that with Jack was really based on his, his, his past life experience and the fact that he owned 52 movie theaters throughout Latin America, was very successful, had relationships with some of the biggest business partners in Latin America, that being Google, AT&T, uh, Carlos Slim's organization. So we felt like expanding into Latin America with Jack and his business references uh, would help us uh, have a better chance of being successful down there as well. Well, very good. Once again, listeners, we're speaking with Edward Ciafani of Wherever TV Broadcasting Corp. Ticker symbol TV, TV. And as I mentioned at the outset of this interview, wherever.tv, go there, start your 14-day free trial, visibly see and feel the difference of how this company works and how Wherever TV can help you change your spending habits when it comes to your entertainment. And Edward, we all know it's a very expensive prospect for some of us who are dealing with direct TV and things like that, but we have great internet strength, so the switch can be made easy. So, Edward, as you look back on 2018, what do you see as some of the major milestones for the company so far this year? Well, let's 
talk about the definition of milestone. So <laughs> when I took over the company, one of the challenges we had was the technology, the platform. The way it had been developed in the past, it was under you know computer hard coding practices, and it really wasn't up to date with current technology and current standards. So the board and I spent a better part of four or five months reviewing the platform, taking in some advice from some you know smarter people than we are in the computer industry, and we decided that we needed to revamp the entire platform. In January of 2016, we hired a software programming company to help us revamp that platform. The proposal caused for completion time of somewhere in the neighborhood of about 18 weeks. The challenges that they had and we had was that even in that period of time of development, a lot of the technology was changing. Most importantly, our ability to security the, the geo-blocking, the token authentication to protect not only the content from piracy, but also to protect our, our customers' you know, personal information from getting hacked. And it took us almost a year uh, to, to get the system where we felt it was operational. We launched in January of 2017. We hired the marketing company of LMC Company out of Los Angeles, California. The reason we hired this company uh, was that they represent and do a lot of the digital social media marketing for a lot of the major movie houses out of L.A., uh, they front-run the Wonder Woman movie. They front-run uh, almost every one of the movies. Their customer base is Seinfeld. Um, I could go on and on. But they're very highly specialized in what they do. They're, they're not the type of social digital media company that just likes to throw things against the wall and see what sticks. They actually have a, uh, an algorithm and things that they use. So we, we retained them in January of two, 2017. We launched a big marketing campaign. We signed up about 3,500 people to our free subscription uh, in about three to four weeks. All of a sudden, the traffic on our platform disappeared uh, from our Google Analytics. We found out that somebody had actually found a way to hack our blog pages and we're redirecting our customers away from our platform. I had to make the terrible decision of shutting the platform down again so that we could figure out where this was coming from. We hired a second programming company out of the United Kingdom to help us revamp the website and the platform again. That was supposed to be another 12-week process, and yet again, due to some other technicalities, we just recently launched in January of 2018, actually late 2018. And over the course of the last three months, we've had the pleasure of working with LMG and doing a bunch of beta tests to try to figure out the marketing. One of the other difficulties that have just recently come up, you know, most people know in the past that social digital marketing pretty much pointed a finger at Facebook. Well, with the recent situation with Facebook it's become absolutely impossible to do the type of marketing you used to be able to do. So we've had to take a step back and try to revamp the program. So the milestones that you originally asked about, the milestones would be, would be to me, would be that we finally have a platform that is sophisticated, security-wise, content delivery-wise. Uh, we, we so far have hit every milestone we've tried to hit since January of 2018. We launched in December of 2017 in Latin America. We put out a press release that we launched with Google Chromecast, whereby Google Chromecast is going to be putting a company's name on all their Google Chromecast boxes in over 200 stores. It started off slowly. Uh, they didn't really get ramped up with us until probably February of 2018. Uh, and very quickly, between February and as of last week, we have roughly 25,000 subscribers on the Latin America 
platform. Well, that's a great job of bringing us up to speed on what the company's done to get to where you are here in 2018. So as the company wraps up 2018 and looking into 2019, what are some of the goals that you have for the company, Edward? 2018, 2019, what, we're, what our goals are right now is to obviously get subscribers, convert them. Some of the things that we're working on that we think are pretty unique to the industry. We all know that based on what Netflix and some of the other majors are doing by creating their, their own original content is really the way the industry is going. One of the things that we are doing uh, is working towards individual content, but we've expanded into the music industry. And one of the reasons we expanded into the music industry is that a lot of these artists that were A-listers a number of years ago that are kind of on the, on, the, on the back side of their career, they still have a very large fan base that follows them. Unfortunately, they don't have the distribution that they used to have. But we hired a research firm out of Nashville to try to figure out if we could see what the hard number that these artists had. What is their, as they deemed it, as a super fan. And a super fan is somebody that will support that artist for just about anything they do. Any new song that comes out, they're one of the first ones to buy it. To give you an example, Sarah Evans just recently launched her own album, self-distributed it. She sold 50,000 copies over the course of the last 11 months. That 50,000 copy mark pretty much identifies her super fan because she doesn't really have the major distribution point. What we're doing out of Nashville with Wherever TV Country is a wholly owned subsidy is that we're working with a number of, of high-profile artists right now. We signed brand, uh, brand ambassador agreements with the likes of Aaron Tippin, Colin Ray, and Daryl Worley. With the Colin Ray, we just aired his first live show last Wednesday to a limited audience. Colin Ray's show is called That's My Story. It's a song of his that went number one. The format is about him interviewing various artists, playing some music with them. Something that's been around but it's not been done to the extent that Colin's kind of taken it with his with his guests that he's bringing on. So that's what that's our future right there. Is it, kind of focusing on the music, the musicians. We have a number number of high profile artists on talks with right now coming on board. Those numbers that I mentioned to you, the people we have on board, puts us in front of about five and a half million fan base. And somewhere in between there is that 5 to 10% super fan. And you can, you can see just from the numbers alone, it's not going to take us long to really, really open the doors to hopefully being profitable and, and generating a lot of revenue. Edward, it's been an incredibly informative audio interview with you about you and your company and the team there at Wherever TV Broadcasting. But I also know there's some really exciting things that you wanted to talk about in this interview. So the floor is yours, Edward. Thank you. And once again, I want, to, I want to thank you for your time and helping with this interview. Yes, we have a lot of really, a couple of really exciting things taking place. As I alluded to earlier in the, in the interview, I'm happy and excited to announce that we signed Stormy Warren, uh, who hosts the Stormy Warren Morning Show on Sirius XM, The Highway. Currently, he's the number two most syndicated listened to morning show next to Howard Stern. He's coming on board with us. He's created a show called Stormy's Corner whereby he's going to do long, extensive, in-depth interviews with some of the top country music artists, athletes, and business people that you would know on, on the planet. And he's already taped four episodes, one with Tracy Lawrence, Daryl Worley, Shane McAnally. Shane McAnally, for those who don't know, he is the number one 
music producer out of Nashville right now. Just about every song you hear uh, on the charts, he's produced. I've seen the interview. It's phenomenal. But this is what Stormy's absolutely phenomenal as these interviews pulling out really in-depth stuff. You know, it may sound like the same old, same old, but until you see the way he handles himself and the questions, Tracy Lawrence, for those of you who are country music fans, wrong place, wrong time, was part of a gang to, you know, get them initiated. We tried to kill him, and he survived four bullet wounds to become one of the top, you know, 21 number one hits in country music after the shooting. So really, really great interviews. The other thing I'm really excited about announcing is that, as I've alluded to earlier in the interview, we have a patent 431 that we feel is defendable. So what we have just recently done is filed patent infringement case against Comcast Corporation. I know everybody thinks that's a big deal, that's a big company, but we believe that, you know, if we're going to spend the money to defend the patent, we might as well go after the one that's going to give us the biggest bang for our buck. But those are the two big things that are really going on right now, Stuart, and I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to share that with um, uh, present investors and, and potentially future investors. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you, Edward, for your time, your candor, and personal insight into your exciting company. We expect great things from you and your company here in 2018 and well beyond. Thank you so much for your time here today. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much. You bet for Edward Ciafani, CEO and Chairman of the Board for Wherever TV Broadcasting Corp, traded on the OTCQB under the ticker symbol TVTV. This is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. This audio interview is an original broadcast provided by Network Newswire, a multifaceted financial news and publishing company delivering a new generation of corporate communication solutions, including news aggregation and syndication, social communication, and enhanced news release services. Network Newswire may receive payments for corporate communications relations, as well as various press releases and social media solutions provided to its clients. You should assume that officers and directors of Network Newswire or financial analysts mention hold a position in and may intend to trade these securities for their own accounts. This interview is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, investment in the featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This audio interview by Network Newswire does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used in statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources, but not verified nor guaranteed by Network Newswire as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. Please see our full disclaimers and disclosures at NetworkNewswire.com. 